0: If you really don't know what you're talking about, if you don't know the technical details, of course, I'm not expecting B2B marketers to be technical people, Mm. but they need to be comfortable about discussing the first few questions about the
1: product. B2B has the potential to be electrifying, but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas, it's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the Provocative Truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing the Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict, and today I'm joined by Birim Gonelson, who is the CMO of Southern Europe Visa. Birrim, very welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Benedict. Thanks a lot for inviting me. It's great to be here.
1: Now, I've introduced you as the CMO Southern Europe of Visa, but of course, I'm sure that only tells a fraction of the story. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, for the benefit of our audience, um, the floor is yours if you want to give a sort of 30-second introduction to who you are, what you're all about and where you come from.
0: Sure. I'm based in Istanbul from Turkey. I'm in marketing for more than 20 years now and Visa is my... Fourth company, let's say, I have experience in FMCG, retail and content, media content. So it is my first time in financial services and B2B marketing with the opportunity in Visa.
1: Fantastic. And it's exactly because of that um, experience profile that we're going to have the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, I think that there is a you know, standing um, preconception that all the best marketers come from B2C. And if you want to be a good B2B marketer, actually, it really, really helps if you started your career in B2C. But what I want to do as a sort of provocative truth, actually, is to say that I don't think that is quite fair or I do. I think that is quite right. Um, and from my perspective, if we really look at B2B and we look at the sort of the complexities of it, being a good B2C marketer does not guarantee that you make a good B2B marketer. Is that something you'd agree with?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I fully agree with that because it's a challenge for B2C marketers to jump into a B2B world because there are many different dynamics. However, having said that, I always feel very comfortable to remind everyone who is interested in marketing the the content that we are dealing with is human. And mm. even if it is B to B, B to C, whatever name, whatever the creations that are coming in the near future as well. Without the, without these um, explanations, we are dealing with people, and there are, that's that's the core of marketing. So that helps a lot, regardless of the territory you are working in. But of course, there are challenges you need to be aware of when you are jumping from B to C to B to B.
1: Absolutely, and I'm always interested because I think that there is. I mean, I think there's a lot of preconceptions about B2B, some of which are perfectly fair and (laughs) they absolutely deserve, and also some which which are unfair. But there's definitely a sort of an idea that... In B2B, um, there's no understanding of how to engage people as human beings. We're just constantly going on rational messaging rather than emotional messaging. Now, I think that there's probably um, somewhere in the middle is probably the truth. But I'm interested from your perspective, coming from B2C into a B2B environment, um, how sophisticated is that understanding of the need to engage an audience on a human level as well as a rational level?
0: I'm in this business for almost five years, and it, this understanding is moving very fast because mm. I think B2B was associated too much with being black and gray. You know, it's not part; of, it, it doesn't belong to the colorful world of marketing. For example, there are no events like. Fies or any fancy prizes, great award rewarding nights and that kind of engagement. So it's always a kind of limited space with too much data focus, too much rational thinking and too much assumptions. However, mm. in time, we are coming to a point that there are many common things between B2B and B2C. If you put the customer at the center of everything coming from B2C, it it it's is the same flow for B2B. Because for B2B, you put the center, a different target audience, but still as a starting point, putting these new target audiences in the core of your business is a super great plus. So these commonalities are evolving very fast because human Mm. is human, regardless of consumer, regardless of a more sophisticated target audience. But of course, when you're in B2B marketing, it is like you're talking to executives, you're talking with procurement people, you're talking with technical experts, and you always have this assumption and perception that only data will convince them, which I find a little bit provocative because it is not true.
1: So how have you managed to shift those perceptions? I mean, I I would love it if almost if you could tell me the story of you walking into the room and you were faced with, well, the data is saying this and you persuaded them otherwise. But I'm really interested. What arguments did you use to convince some of those stakeholders who would have been so convinced that a data led rational approach was the way to go?
0: You need to start doing your homework very well. Which starts mm-hmm. with understanding this target audience, because as I mentioned, these are executives that, who will make the decisions and who wants to be super comfortable about whatever product or you are, mm-hmm. your service you are bringing in the game. That, that's the most important part before you start your conversation. So understand what they need, and make sure whatever you are offering to them is ticking the boxes in terms of needs and priorities. So Mm that is super common with understanding the consumer. But here, the difference is you need to be more focused and going into more deeper understanding of the target audience because you are talking with a much limited group with a special focus on technical details. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's super important. And you need to be prepared mentally for longer sales cycle. So it is not mm-hmm. like you're running a campaign and you get the results in one month. You, you see the... Uh, You see the increase in your sales or you see the change in the behavior in a few months and then you rerun it, you shift it a little bit and then you see another wave of results. That's not the case. You need to take your time and mentally, if you're part of this selling journey, you need to be prepared to get much longer cycles and conversations and further questions and here, there are two things that helps a lot, which was my very wrong assumption before going into this area. Um, there is no storytelling in B2B, there is no emotions, nobody's interested in anything creative, they don't care about any kind of ca- campaigns. Mm. Forget this, this is super wrong. This is the, <laughs> these are the list of things that you should not assume about B2B marketing. Because mm. when you're talking to people, um, attention spam, is getting shorter and shorter, similar to the consumer. So if you keep a presentation of 30 slides only with data, after the second slide, you are already perceived as a boring person. So you just give me the numbers. And if my brain starts to find some errors, mistakes in your presentation, because you drive me to to a... root that only thinks about the uh, facts. However, if you pack them in a nice way, and start with telling why it makes sense for me, first of all, you get a, more of an attention. And then after this, telling why story, if you lend me to the numbers that your that supports your reasoning, then this is a full coverage of what you want to talk about and how you convince people. So my assumptions at the beginning, uh, thankfully, change a lot, because storytelling works everywhere. Storytelling is a new, blank and it, it is about to become a cliche, but I would prefer to call it uh, more of a classic rather than a cliche. But storytelling helps B2B marketing as well. And it helps even more because in B2B area, this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. for the, After probably so many years, B2B marketeers are feeling more and more comfortable about first telling to their organizations, hey guys, this product is only ab- not only about the numbers and results. Of course its performance is great and we love it. However, these people also will use this product or services to their cust for their customers. So we need to tell them the full picture about the emotions, storytelling and effects and let's we need to help them when we are selling the product for their resale. To whatever they whoever their audience is so at that part I think emotion storytelling understanding the target audience well adding a bit flavor of creativity in the in those discussions helped a lot
1: and I mean from from my perspective I think that there is there's a huge amount of progress in terms of realizing the importance of storytelling mm-hmm. but like it still amazes me about how many brands I'm I'm going to be sort of rude here I just churning out absolute shit when it when you really look at like the type of content that they are they are doing there's there, there is no storytelling to it um, there is certainly no commitment to sort of good quality creative or, or design Indeed. and I, I just find it i find it surprising because actually the argument is so intuitive for why storytelling is important and i think that you hit upon it when you sort of talked to you related it to the idea of a presentation Now, we have all been through within our working careers, presentations, whether it's from colleagues or external providers, some of which have a storytelling element, the slides look nice, and you're taken on a journey. And those are the ones that you remember positively, and they're also the ones that you understood a lot better. And equally, you've been through those presentations, which are just an absolute mess, and it's just numbers or whatever it is. And the emotional reaction you have to that is extremely negative. But even more so, I can't remember the first thing that has been said. So therefore, actually, it's, p- it's completely ineffective. And I think that thinking about th- things in that relatable sort of term is such a convincing argument.
0: I I, I call them, uh, sorry for interruption, Benedict. but I call these kind of presentations like uh, reports with a voiceover rather than a
1: presentation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think to be honest, you're being generous even with that description. But but one thing I just wanted to sort of pick up on because I think that it's the the heart of good good work and certainly work that um, engages people on that sort of emotional level, as you've rightly said, is about doing your research understanding them as 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 humans now clearly within b2b that buying decision is so much more complicated there are numerous different stakeholders involved in it as you've described it goes over a longer period of time what have you found to be most effective in terms of being able to really get that sort of nuanced emotional understanding of of your audience what techniques Mm -hmm. have you used
0: again uh, making a comparison to b2c in b2c all of a sudden you put a break in people's life you disrupt the flow of people's life with an outdoor with 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 a video on the net mm. or on their phone and you you disrupt them with whatever emotion you want to deliver mm-hmm. and they are disrupted you don't know how long they they'll, they will Pay attention to you but you know that for these 30 seconds if you pass through the right emotional mood to them together with your brand they will get it mm-hmm. here you should not take it granted because you cannot change the environment of b2b Today, from today to tomorrow, it takes time. So if you start with the overwhelming approach of creativity and storytelling, all of a sudden in the world of people who are responsible for a huge procurement, who needs Mm -hmm. to explain their numbers and the facts and why they pick up out of these three products, one of them, you need to be realistic. And first of all, you need to have in mind as a priority that you are there to support them when they are making their decision. So if you go with the mentality of selling your story, pack, uh, selling your product packed with the story, this is your priority. First, mm-hmm. you need to remember what their priority is and who they will convince after they leave the room for your products. Mm-hmm. So that should be your priority. What do they need? So storytelling brand and all those emotions will be at the level um, they need. Mm -hmm. and they can take. So it will potentially evolve in time, and it will become more and more important. But this is just a transition from my point of view. So it is still going back to the first uh, point, putting them in the center is important. Because on behalf of you, if they appreciate your product, if they believe the benefits of it, if they believe in your case studies, if they believe in your numbers together with your story, they will go out and they will convince their internal stakeholders for the final alignment. So mm. you need to understand what they need before imposing your story. It is, in that sense, it is different for disrupting the consumers during their life. Mm. You, you, cannot, you should not feel that free to disrupt with your story, but before you need to give them what they need and pack it nicely in a more easy way to digest so that they will take away whatever the message you want to leave them
1: so you talk there about sort of understanding their their priorities and what they need to achieve within the context of you know their role which i think is really really important i'm interested to know do do you ever try to sort of go that one stage further which is to then try and think about almost as as them as individuals what would be their irrational emotional drivers so say for Mm -hmm. instance that they've Their business priority is that they have got to reduce cost by X percent or whatever, whatever it might be. But then to start to think about, okay, well, emotionally for them, is that because they have a fear and a pressure on their jobs and they will be responding to that fear and pressure either by coming out and really fighting for that or they might be really, really scared and not know. How to make the right decision and be paralyzed with decisions, and therefore they need to be supported. Do do you sort of get to that sort of next stage of understanding those interesting emotional dynamics which will be going on within that sort of decision maker? Indeed, Uh, yeah,
0: indeed, Benedict, that's an amazing point because if you don't get this, if you don't get there, it is impossible to get Mm. the alignment. Because I have heard several times from different people, like you know, I'm a procurement guy, you know, I'm a purchasing guy. For example, what does it stand for? Yeah. If you hear it for the first time, okay, I'm a marketing lady. So what is the message here? But there is a message here, and it mm. gives a lot of clue about the position that person is experiencing at that moment. When they say these kind of things, you need to follow the clues because it is like, again, understanding more and more your target audience. Even the decision maker, if the decision maker is with the company for more than a certain amount of period or first experience involved in such a big decision for a for choosing a product makes a difference because if somebody is making a decision or part of the decision for the first time in in the company that's a big stress for this person. Mm. Much more stress than any person who was experienced and proved to be successful in that company because he already or she already built a trust in the company. Yeah. But the other person, if you're dealing with, a, with the first experience, it is, it is extremely important for this person because this person needs to prove himself or herself that he's a good procurement purchase uh, person. That, that kind of details help us understand better the needs and design our stories and design our facts according to those needs. For example, if this is the first time that you are dealing with a newcomer, then you need to be able to give more best practices to this Mm -hmm. person about your product. Because he or she needs to understand that, first of all, this product is doing the job perfectly and the best in class in the business. Checked. And then you can say that, hey, if you get this product, not only this great business performance, but also you will have you will be appreciated much by the end users then that's the story coming in
1: yeah yeah I, I'm I mean unsurprisingly very, very much agree with you, and I think that just in terms of sort of almost like the personal sort of that anecdote, if I was to rewind five years and a lot of the work that you know I was involved with which was within b two b, I think we were probably. We were, we were getting to that idea of understanding the, the business priorities, and we were con- understood the pain points that these individuals were facing. But what we've really made the progress in the past five years is to go that extra stage, which we've just been discussing, really think about those emotional drivers of the audience. And once you actually identify the emotion, those emotional drivers, you're really clear on what their experience is, it becomes so much easier, both in terms of the strategy you take, but then also the creative that you sort of produce to resonate very directly with them mm-hmm. and trigger them to take the, the action or behavior that you're, you're so looking for. So, I mean, I think it's so, so important to invest that time in, in developing that sort of understanding.
0: Yeah, and the relation at the same time, because while you are working on these emotions and trying to understand your target audience, you build a relation, which yeah. is also very valuable because a trust-based relation is not helping you only for one meeting, but it helps you to build the connections with that uh, company on a long-term basis. And it is really important to keep it from the beginning. And one thing, maybe if I may, about the emotions, sometimes that what I find very helpful is to explain the emotions of the end users to the B2B audience because mm-hmm. that's also an element missing in their uh, approach. But if you can explain very well the pain point of the end user and assume that start the story, like assume that you're about to make a purchase on your favorite e-com site and you are stuck because your card expired and there is nothing that can help it to renew it yep. without your interruption. So you can, if you define the pain point and if you can picture them, how their end users are feeling uncomfortable with the missing products Mm -hmm. they have, Mm Then it brings another com- conversation, you know. Okay, if I were in that place, I would be frustrated as well. So I cannot frustrate them. Give yeah. me the solution.
1: Excellent. Well, I mean, I'm taking from that that Visa offers a seamless payment experience. I think, based on <laughs> <laughs> reading are, between the, reading between the yeah. lines, reading between the lines there. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, but brilliant. I, I'm really interested. Obviously, we've 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 talked about a lot of the learnings that I think B2B probably have taken from B2C. Although, actually, I think they mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of great work themselves Mm -hmm. for you coming across what would you actually say was the the hardest thing what was the steepest learning curve that you you had
0: actually a few things first one is the complexity Mm -hmm. uh, of the b2b processes because it changed from one company to another and you need to be aware of all of them. So you cannot assume that, I'm, that I learned the process. This is the process of that specific company, and you need to be adjust, you need to adjust yourself to the process of another company in order to be successful in, to be, in B2B sales. You need to be more aware of decision-making process with, with a lot of details, as mm-hmm. we discussed. And this is also a pretty new thing, because when you have your mass consumer research, you get the insight, you drive the campaign, you get the results. So you don't, you don't customize that much here. You are talking about individuals mm-hmm. as a target audience, so this is also important. And last but not least, I would say the third point is you really need to understand the business. I I don't I, I don't want to mention it only specific to B two B, but for sure B two B more than the B two C uh, marketeers. But here, if you really don't know what you're talking about. If you don't know the technical details, of course, I'm not expecting B2B marketers to be technical people, mm. but they need to be comfortable about discussing the first few questions about the product. Okay, after a certain level, it's a super technical detail, but until then, you need to be comfortable about having a conversation around your product or service confidently in front of your audience. Yeah. So you cannot rely on the technical guys all the time, or you cannot rely on the product people. You need to be very confident about what you are talking about. Yeah. And that was a challenge because you need to invest your time to learn these details.
1: I I, I agree with that. I think that is one of actually the fundamental differences. There's, well, you rightly said about the complexity of the, the buying process, which I think is, is different. But also I think that it's incumbent on B2B marketers to have probably a more sophisticated understanding of the industry and by very nature of a lot of those b2b sort of industries there's a lot more complexity in terms of actually mm-hmm. the trends which are are shaping that um, and mm-hmm. the products are more technical as well so i completely agree um, my, my penultimate question um, i'm just wondering uh, now that you've been in both camps you've been b2c you've been b2b we started the conversation talking about what b2b could learn from b2c What would you say that B2C could learn from B2B marketing? (laughs) I'm hoping there is an answer. I hope you don't say absolutely nothing. Come on.
0: (laughs) It would be a shame to say that. Really, there are many things I think B2C can learn as well. Um, First, I must say B2C is talking a lot about being Mm data-driven and putting a lot of efforts... And marketing the data-driven marketing capabilities very well. Mm-hmm. So B2C is claiming that I'm already data-driven. You are not guys. You still have room for improvement. So look at how we are doing B2B marketing. This is a definition of doing data-driven marketing. So that's, that's an important learning mm-hmm. point because there is still room. Data-driven marketing doesn't mean that you have a lot of data. It means that are you capable of reflecting it into the business results through the products, through the services, et cetera, et cetera. So having the data is not being a data-driven marketing company, Mm. but in B2B, it is not optional. If you don't have the data, if you don't have the case studies, if you don't have the results, you don't have a conversation. This is a very bold and important learning point from B2B to B2C. Uh, The second one, as important, I mentioned it slightly, but I want to highlight here, uh, best practice sharing. This is something B2C is doing it, you know, only for the very creative, sexy conversations among the agency people or marketers. Mm. This is not the best practice sharing, guys. This is selling our work to each other and appreciating how creative we are and how out-of-the-box thinkers we are as B2C marketers. The idea here is about the best practice, what you truly learn out of it. Today, you can Google best practice marketing campaigns and you will only hear about the amazing results, which is not related to business, but kind of an emotional impact on the consumers. What I say when I say best practice in B two B, what brings the results to me? Mm. That's the fundamental question that I answer with the best practices. So I think that's an, another. That's the second learning point for B two C from B two B. Let's be realistic and let's look at let's look at what we are bringing into the business through the great campaigns, and that's a, that is done very well in B two B. B2B.
1: Oh, that's very well said. I think it's very uplifting for all B2B marketers. I think sort of uh, to, to paraphrase, um, you know, B2B marketers are the smart ones, but I appreciate that. I'm putting, putting words <laughs> in your mouth. Um, no, I mean, this has been really, really fun. I've really enjoyed having this conversation, but um, I can't let you leave without asking our house question, should we say. Um, and that is, when was the last time you saw marketing? And that could be, you know, an ad, any form of creative, uh, could even be sort of a, a social post, who knows what it is, but something that made you feel it in your guts, that moved you on that deep emotional level that we sort of spoke about earlier.
0: Yay, that's my favorite question. <laughs> in Any marketing conversation, many thanks for not skipping that. So if I may, I, I'd like to give a few examples because sometimes it is really difficult to (laughs) decide on one, but I would like to start with Nike, which is kind of a brand iconic and always do things with a purpose, which I appreciate a lot. And uh, during the pandemic, they did a campaign, uh, you cannot stop us. Uh, And it was a very, very simple looking, but of course, very well crafted with all details campaign. A long video, as many times Nike was doing in the past couple of years, but it was at the right time, very much fitting their purpose, not doing something only for the pandemic, but touching our hearts again through the sports and putting the statement that they really want to change the world through sports. Mm. And it, it it really, I kept watching it. I kept watching it not as a marketer only, as a person as well during this time, because it was like, you know it was checking all the boxes but it was not checking the boxes for the sake of doing it they didn't do any pandemic campaign all you know out of the blue they they still did it very much linked with their purpose that's what i appreciate and the second brand that i don't want to skip in this conversation is for me patagonia it does they don't have that sparkling campaigns because this is not fitting their purpose but i keep appreciating them from the very first um, newspaper advertising, don't buy this jacket thing. Mm. If you, I don't know, many marketeers may remember that. It was against the Black Friday yep. with a very bold statement on New York Times, don't buy this jacket. And they kept this purpose in the core of the brand and they are still very profitable. They do their revenues, they hit their financial targets. And recently they started to give 1% of their revenues for the planet, which to me, amazing because as a retail brand, I have been there, I know the margins, it's not an easy decision, but they did it, Mm. and it is impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, Patagonia are often held up, but I think it really does stand up to scrutiny. Um, You know, all of their corporate behaviors, so to speak, um are so so in keeping with their stated purpose um and yeah i remember the, the nike one as well and i mean a lot of, there's a, a whole array of fantastic um nike campaigns but i think that that is a particularly strong yeah. one and i think there is probably no bigger compliment given that you are former adidas to have chosen nike <laughs> as your as yeah. your example so uh, hopefully yeah. your your former colleagues will forgive you for that but no i think that was that was great great and thank you very much for sharing i
0: think having great competition yeah is the best thing in marketing
1: yes no no indeed you need
0: to have a great competition otherwise you never
1: grow yeah. no in, indeed well look, that's almost those sort of wise words as a final thought but i think just to sort of wrap the conversation up and um, f- firstly i think it's been a lot of fun as i said having this this um this chat but Specifically, I think there's, very, there's a very obvious um, sort of conclusion when we certainly think about where B2B needs to go and learn from B2C. And that's just that importance of really understanding your audience, but not just understanding your audience on a you know objective level, not just understanding what they are trying to achieve or the particular sort of challenges they're facing, but to go that extra stage, understand them as humans, conceptualise what their human experience is. Um, But then I think the second really interesting point that you made there, which I think, as I said, is quite reassuring for B2B marketers, is there's a hell of a lot to be proud of within B2B marketing. And specifically, I think the the rigor which a lot of B2B marketers follow, especially with that uh, that data driven approach. And also that requirement to fully understand the complexities of your business. And I think that absolutely a lesson that uh, BTC could take on board. So, Birum, thank you very, very much for joining us. That has been a lot of fun.
0: Same here. Many thanks for inviting me.
1: B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.